Welcome to the sermon ministry of River Community Church, a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana. Our purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org. We are in John chapter 20, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 10, and then we'll skip down to verses 19 to 23. This is the Word of God. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And down to verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now you may be seated. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you on Easter, the day that we look back on and and declare what you have promised in your word is true. The tomb is empty. He is risen. And so we know when we preach your word, the word of Christ, we are preaching the infallible, authoritative word of God. And it would be impossible to come to you with faith in this good news and not also come to you with ears open, leaning in to know your word, to know your will, to hear your voice. So, Father, we pray that you would arrest our attention, that it would not be distracted by the numerous things that can come our way, that we would not be sitting in our living room or wherever, but that we would be seated at the feet of Christ 
to behold and to receive him. Father, I pray for my work as a preacher, that I would preach simply and purely and with conviction, that it would be your Holy Spirit upon the preaching of the word, for if the Holy Spirit is not with it, then I am powerless. We pray, be glorified and make your word return as you promise, not void. In Jesus we pray, amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Beloved, today we have wonderful news. We are people with good news. We are a people that Jesus comes to speak encouragement and assurance and hope for such a time as this. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. These are the first words that Jesus speaks to his disciples on that very first Easter. Two times he says, peace be with you. These are the words I want you to know. These are the words that I want to dwell richly in your heart as you contemplate the resurrection and as you live as resurrection people in the world today. That Jesus is risen and his words to you is peace be with you. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, these words, in the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation. Can you relate to those words this Sunday morning? They are not surprising words. We live in a world where Jesus says we'll be filled with tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. And so in this world, one of the most precious and hardest to find commodities is what we call peace. The world wants to tell you that they can provide you peace, that they can give you peace of mind by practicing these thought experiments, by meditation, or perhaps by Frank Costanza screaming out, Serenity now! They can give you peace of mind. The world hopes 
for world peace. John Lennon's famous song, Imagine, tells us that if we just give up these constructs, these structures and institutions like borders and possessions, heaven and hell, we could all live together as one in peace. Isn't it ironic that that song is written by somebody who could not keep his three band members together? We imagine world peace, but we do not have the way to bring it into reality. Perhaps the most evident truth of of the elusiveness of peace in this world is the fact that we say when somebody dies, R.I.P., rest in peace. In that statement, we are admitting that this world is full of tribulation and we wish and hope for those who are departed that maybe now finally you can rest in peace. How tragic that the only answer that the world has for lasting peace is death. We live in a world that is full of tribulation and in a world whose answer to giving us peace is mental tricks out of reach and really tragedy. Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And that is what we celebrate at Easter. The peace that is given to us is a peace that is given to us by our risen Lord. The peace that Jesus proclaims to his disciples is a peace that is invincible because it is a peace that we call resurrection peace. Today, I want to plant you firmly in the only peace that cannot be taken away the only peace that is secure yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the peace that you need and the world needs through you, I want to secure you in Christ's resurrection peace. What is Christ's resurrection peace that he gives to his followers? As we go through this passage, we're going to see Three answers. His peace means your sins are forgiven. His peace means that you are never alone. And his peace means that you have good news to share. Let us look at this passage and see what Christ's resurrection peace means when we say, your sins are forgiven. R.I.P. 
rest in peace. That's our mantra. That's our comfort for those who are departed. Rest in peace? No. No. There is nothing about death that promises rest or peace. The Bible is clear that death has nothing to do with the message of peace. Death is evidence that we are fallen. Death is evidence that we are separated from God. Death came into creation when our first parents, Adam and Eve, ate the fruit they were commanded not to eat. And when they decided to put their own law, their own idea of what is good above God's law and what God said was good, death entered and that became evident by their being sent out of the Garden of Eden. Death is the fruit of the fall. It is the fruit of the curse on creation. It is the fruit of sin. Death promises no rest and no peace. Beloved, we feel the fall right now in a way that is sharper than most of us are used to. We are living in dread. We are living in low-grade panic as we see death on the attack through a new virus. We experience the precursors of death and that every single one of us knows shame and guilt. Shame and guilt are what lead to death. And there is no peace where there is shame and guilt. No, we must deny the culture's idea that there is rest in peace in death. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Death is not rest. Death is our payday for sin. And as every single one of us anticipates death, we recognize that we have sin in us. And that sin in us is due judgment. Death is not rest. And it's not peaceful. Death is a marker that we are under judgment. And that is why our text is so important. Look at verse 19 and 20. We are told that on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Jesus comes to a group of disciples who are fearful of death. They are afraid of the Jews because the Jews had just taken Jesus, their Lord, and had their way with him. It is reasonable to expect that those same Jews would work their way down the list and bring all of the disciples under judgment and death as well. And so they are here in the fear of death. And then they are interrupted by Jesus in their presence. Jesus saying to them, peace be with you. And then showing them it is truly him by letting them see the nail prints in his hands and the spearing in his side. He visits them in their fear of death and he says, it is me, I am alive. The crucified one is the risen Lord. And the word that he comes to say to them, the first thing he wants their ears to hear is shalom, peace to you. Why are these the first words? What is Jesus telling us when he says peace to you? He is declaring to his disciples that his death was not for himself. You see, Jesus being resurrected was God's way of declaring to the world, my son was not guilty. He was resurrected, brought back to life to declare that he in fact is righteous, that he in fact spoke the truth, that what he said of himself is real and true. You see, sinners stay dead. But when Jesus was crucified, when he died, this is what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. When that body of Jesus came into the grave, we are told that it was not possible for him to be held by death. It was not possible for death to hold on to Jesus. When Jesus descended into the grave, death met something that he was disqualified to receive. Death can only reign over sin. And the one that came into his midst was sinless. And so as death seeked to swallow up our Lord, it could not do it. There's a picture I saw a few uh, months ago of a large boa constrictor. 
having sought to eat an alligator. And the picture that is taken is a picture of this snake burst open because the alligator was too big to be swallowed. That is the image of what happened when Jesus went into the grave. Is this consuming snake death tried to wrap its jaws around Jesus. But Jesus, because he was righteous and that he had nothing in him deserving of death, burst death and destroyed it by going into it. He burst death. He burst the tomb. The tomb is left empty to declare in Jesus, death has no power over him. And so Jesus says, peace to you. His death was not for him. He was not guilty. He was righteous so that he was put to death. was not for him, but for his people. Jesus' words, peace to you, are, are in fact the words, I have died for your sins. You now have peace. I am resurrected to say that your sins have been paid in full by my death. You are forgiven. Your debt is released. The wages of your sin were paid by me. And so when Jesus says to his disciples, peace to you, he is saying what he meant on the cross when he said, it is finished. The penalty of God's wrath on sin has now been paid by him so that his people do not fear death. Paul says this clearly in Romans chapter 5 at verse 1. which is right here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is because Jesus Christ has made us not guilty by paying for our sins and rising from the dead that when we have faith in him, we know our sins are forgiven and we have peace with God. We have reconciliation. Peace to you means your sins are forgiven. Your shame and your guilt, they have no power. At, cross, at Christ's cross. The fear of death in this world has no power because Christ has endured the sting of death, the separation of God to declare peace to you. How does this message, peace to you, land upon you in such a way that you know Jesus is speaking to you? The answer is 
You have to be his disciple. This message is spoken to Jesus' disciples. And so what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means that you have put your faith in him, that you have confessed him as Lord, and that you believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead. That's exactly what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. For if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Beloved, is that true of you? Has Christ spoken to you, peace, your sins are forgiven? Do not live in in any doubt or confusion. Place your faith in Jesus, confessing that you are a sinner in need of his salvation. And you will be saved. But second, we see that his peace means you are never alone. The scene with the disciples is so appropriate for our given situation. We read in verse 19 that on that evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. The disciples are here on the very first Easter behind locked doors, fearful, worried what the, what the Jews would do next. Isolated, afraid of the news just outside. I think that's a very relatable scene in our present circumstance. We are struggling with anxiety. We are struggling with news that is unsettling. We are in a time of confusion and fear. We are just like these disciples. But look at verse, the second part of verse 19. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Well, that is a beautiful thing. The locked doors did not keep Jesus out. Jesus came and visited his fearful disciples without any issue at all. He came to them in their fear and weakness. He was with them. And so this is what we see here. Christ's resurrection peace is the gift of his presence with us always. What the disciples here experience in this moment 
is what Jesus promises to all of his disciples. His last words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 was this, And lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. We are never out of our Lord's reach. We never fall out of his notice. His hand never becomes too short to reach us and care for us. He is always with his disciples. How? How is he always with his disciples? How can we recognize his peace and know that we have it? The answer is given right here in the second part of verse 22. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives his presence to his disciples by giving all believers in him his Holy Spirit. His Spirit living within us. His resurrected power. His holiness. His fullness given in his Spirit to all who believe in him. Jesus describes what we have by this gift earlier in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 14, we are told at verse 26 and 27, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace that Jesus gives his disciples is the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, our advocate. The promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us the deposit and guarantee of our salvation. Jesus is with us because he has given us as a gift of his resurrection, the Holy Spirit. And it is in the Holy Spirit that he is able to say to us again and again, morning and evening, each day, peace be with you. What does that peace look like? What does that peace look like? In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 34 to 40, we are given the story of this terrifying storm on the Sea of Galilee. A storm so frightening that the experienced fishermen of Peter and Andrew James and John, experienced fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, and at night no less, are terrified that they are about to perish in this storm on the sea. And they are so panicked that they come to Jesus and they say, do you not care that we are perishing? 
And the surprising thing in that passage is that when they say, do you not care that we are perishing? Is that they had to wake Jesus up. Because the story tells us that Jesus in the midst of this harrowing storm was asleep on a cushion in the boat. Beloved, that is a picture of the peace of Christ. He is unafraid. He is not panicking. Why? Because Jesus sleeps in the full confidence of the Father who is with him. And he knows in his Father that he is safe. And so he can sleep. But even more, Jesus, when he wakes up, speaks to the storm. Peace, be still. And the storm settles down immediately. What this teaches us is that Jesus, the one who is with us and in us by his Holy Spirit, is the one who is in control of the storm. We may be in the storm. The storm may seem very serious. But he is with us. And he controls the storm. And more importantly, we fixate on the idea that Jesus will take the storm away. But more importantly, the gift that Jesus gives to his disciples is the Spirit that can be so rested in God's sovereignty and compassion and power that he can sleep on a cushion in the storm. That is the peace that God offers in his resurrected son through the Holy Spirit. But I, I, don't, I don't feel that peace. I struggle to, to, to know that peace. Beloved, in those times we are called to pray. And I remind you of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, which tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beloved, you, you, you may not feel the presence of God in the midst of the storm, and in, if that happens, then pray. Because in prayer, God lifts you up to where he sits. He gives you the peace which surpasses all understanding, the peace that reminds you your Lord is risen, and that truth is what guards your heart and your mind. Beloved, when Jesus announces, peace be with you, 
he is saying to his disciples by his resurrection, do not be afraid. I am always with you. And third, the third thing Jesus means when he he uh, gives us his resurrection peace is this. His peace means you have good news to share. Jesus' gift of peace to his disciples comes with a mission. Look at verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus says, because you have peace, because you have the Holy Spirit, you have a mission. Peace be with you. As my Father sent me, so I am sending you. You are the messengers of this peace the peace of the risen Lord, that your sins are forgiven and that you are never alone in Christ. Beloved, this tells us our important purpose for this moment. The world has no peace. The world is full of anxiety and fear and panic. It always is, though sometimes it is distracted. But right now, God is shaking people awake. God is opening ears. Beloved, let us not neglect this time as the messengers of the peace of Christ to make known the good news that we have that overcomes the world. How do we do this? You might, you might say to yourself, Nathan, don't you have the same situation I have? Aren't you just living in your house and all that you're around is your, your spouse and your kids or, or some version of family? Or aren't you in the same little confines as the rest of us? How, how can we go out and give good news? I want to remind you by way of two stories that we still, have good news to share and good news to share with people around us. The first is the story of the general, the Syrian general Naaman, back in 2 Kings chapter 5, a man who had leprosy, an incurable condition. In one of his conquests, he ends up bringing a Jewish girl into his house who is a servant. And in the house, the girl, seeing Naaman and his affliction, tells him he needs to go and see the prophet of God in Israel. We see in this story the important reminder that sometimes the people that we need to witness good news to, most of all, are the members of our own household. Husbands, you need to speak the good news of the resurrection into your wife's life, into your children's life. That they see the peace of Christ larger than the, than the world's messages. Wife, 
You need to gently encourage and remind your husband. Christ has conquered. Christ offers peace. Let us rest in him. Who knows, though, the people that you know in your family. This is the time perhaps you have been created for to witness to to the, the, the truth about you that has made you different in this time. Seek these opportunities. The second story is from the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 17. We're told that the apostle Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. They're in a jail cell. They're they're as locked up and, and out of reach of anybody as they could be. And yet, while they are in that jail cell, they sing praises. They worship God. And then, an amazing thing happens. An earthquake strikes. It strikes terror into the the jailer who is afraid that he has failed his job. And Paul and Silas yell out, we are all still here. And the jailer comes in and says, what must I do to be saved? That jailer was prepared to hear the good news by listening to Paul and Silas have worship in their heart when all the other prisoners had panic. And so the Lord created an opportunity for them to share good news. Beloved, your peace amidst this time of uncertainty is being noticed. You can't know who is paying attention, but God is bringing people to notice his hope in his people. And when those people notice, look for the opportunities because peace has been given to you so that you would have good news to share in times like this. So what is Christ's resurrection peace that he gives to his followers? His peace means your sins are forgiven. You are never alone. And you have good news to share. I leave you with Jesus' words in chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Beloved, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Now, if you would, let us together affirm our faith by reciting the Apostles' Creed, which you will find in your bulletin. Repeat with me. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon from River Community Church. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana, whose purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org.